0: Good morning, everyone. Good, morning. Good, morning. Good to see you all today. Let's uh, open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your great mercies that are always upon us. We thank you that your word instructs us in all of life and death. And Lord, I pray that you would grant us wisdom as we consider your word and its application. We ask all these things for Christ's sake. Amen. Uh, please be praying for our brother Joe Green. Um, I know last week he was up on a high. All the steroids he was getting were, gave him great strength, and he did a bunch. And this week his treatments are taking more of a toll on him. So please be praying for our brother Joe. And uh, I'll just uh, continue to ask for the Lord to bless him. Um So we've uh, been talking about heading up towards medical ethics, and this is what I've decided. We are doing a brief intro into this. I'm going to give us a few tools to consider and work with, but I'm going to come back um, in the spring and do a um, four- or five-part Sunday school on the question. I know that we've been doing a series on end of life, autumn of life, um, how we should live, how we should think about these things, what does God's word teach us on these things. We've talked about God's providence. We've talked about uh, life and death and, and all of these kinds of issues. And I think it's important that we consider this. Um, but but as I, as I continued studying it, I just said, you know, you know, Two weeks maybe, but that's not even doing it justice. And uh, so we're we've got some stuff starting where uh, Ben and Horace are going to be teaching in uh, <clears throat> kind of tag teaming it at times in uh, January and February, and then uh, in the spring we'll pick up. Um, I'll I'll come back and, and teach a month on this, and then uh, we'll uh, I've got some we've got some Ken I've talked about other things to work on for Sunday school to be a blessing. So. Um, with that in mind, we'll, we'll get started because we're just, like I said, I, and, oh, two things I've done for you. Here this morning, if you look on the realm or if you're getting the emails out of the realm, I sent uh, two links today. Well, really not two links, one link. Actually, that's not even right either. I sent you a document <laughs> for the PCA's 1988 Heroic Measures Uh, report written by a uh, well-known Presbyterian physician I guess I should say he chaired the committee that wrote it Um, there's a lot of very helpful things in there I'll reference that a few a few times here I also sent a couple of screenshots of the Church of the Redeemer apps uh, logo so you can go to Apple or Google or whatever your platforms are uh, and get that app if you go into their Their media you click on the media and you go down you'll find and I showed a picture of this as well. Dr. Rob Maddox's discussion on healthcare. care <clears throat> um, I've, I've mentioned Dr. Rob Maddox before uh, a Really good friend of mine who's now going on to be with the Lord and uh, we spent a lot of time extensively talking about life and death issues um, I, I was in that Sunday school class that he was teaching, uh, but that was some years ago. But I was doing all this preparation for what I thought was going to be, like, how to think about how to make these decisions in relationship to just my father, um, who had a lot of health issues. And then in, and uh, you know, I lost my, bro- my brother before that. Um, actually, I lost Rob before that, as a matter of fact. Um, <clears throat> but uh, his... Uh, his uh, teachings on this were very helpful. Dr. Rob, he was a ER doctor and then a hospitalist um, for many, many years, a faithful elder uh, who really wrestled with the questions. And um, so those are references that I've sent you. So if you go to Church of the Redeemer, there's nine episodes that have been talking on this, very helpful uh, things to think about. And um, you're obviously going to see in the things that I cover both here today and uh, in the future is going to reference a lot of these things. I've uh, got a, several books. Uh, one recommended by uh, Brett Hicks, a pastor in the area, and then one by Dr. John Frame, who's written. But one of the one of the things that's that's uh, um, seems to me is a glaring opportunity is um, there was following that 1988 report by the PCA a call in like 2000 or 2001 to uh, follow out, follow up with some additional <laughs> studies in, in medical ethics. obviously things technology keeps developing. how do we look at these things? And one of the, one of the things that happened is they passed a resolution that if people want to give gifts, the PCA would start a committee to study these things. And at the time of, of dr. Robs, lectures he talked about how basically when he checked into it the reason it hadn't gone anywhere is because no one gifted any money to study the problem. Uh, Even Dr. Frame in his book and his talks on it, um, and you guys have heard of Dr. Frame, right? John Frame? Yes. Okay. Stout, stout, uh, man of God, good theologian, recommend any one of his numerous books. Um, But even he says, you know, there's areas that we need to study this more. And in an ideal sense, we need faithful men of God who tarry with the scriptures, right? Who are physicians and nurses, people that are working in that field that that have a sense of things so we can try to wrestle these out. Because it's impossible for anyone to become a master of all things. But we need people to try to help us wrestle through these issues. <clears throat> and so it's, it's certainly worthy of spending some more, some more time and effort. Uh, perhaps this is an area where we can do more work even maybe in the CREC. I know we have some faithful doctors across our communion. It would be worth time to uh, wrestle some of that out. <clears throat> All that being said, um, let's uh, turn to Psalm 90. Um, we're going to uh, read this. Um, Psalm, and uh, maybe we could have somebody read uh, verses 1 through 6, someone reads 7 through 12, and then someone else 13 through 17, so 1 through 6, who would like to read that? Horace? Okay, um, 7 through 12. I
1: can do that, but which? Which? Psalm 90. Psalm 90, thank
0: you. Okay, and then finally, uh, verses 13 through 17. Okay, Robert. If you guys would uh, read those out loud for us. This is really the framework that we want to be thinking about, how God's Word speaks about life and death. Horace? The prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world,
1: even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction, and say, Return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your
0: sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like asleep sleep in the morning. They are like a sleep in the morning. They are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up, in the evening it is cut down and withers.
1: For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath, we bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by the reason of strength eighty, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you as afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of your hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands.
0: So, you know, there's been a a recurring theme through this whole Sunday School series about the providence of God, right? right? That God is God. He's ordained life. It's a gift there are all these things going on here in this psalm uh, not only does it flat out state God is God it talks about the the, the frailty of man um, that it's a blessing to be to get to be 70 um, an even greater blessing if if you're getting 80 and we know that the Lord blesses some to a much longer life than that but in all these things um, we're men we're sinful we, we are under uh, the curse of death um, but there is of course resurrection god is merciful and you know one of the things it says it says there at the end that's important um, you know let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children you know the glory this is a recognition of who god is right this is generational in the work when we say let 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 our children see your glory understand your glory it is they too are converted, right? And, and so we see that. Uh, but it also says, let the beauty of Yahweh our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. He gives us the work, and we need to remember that at all times. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Um, and so it's, it's a clear reminder for all of us that God gives us life, God gives us purpose, and you can't lose sight of that, regardless of the strength that we have, regardless of if we're as sharp or strong or whatever the things that, that, that are upon us that, that point out our physical weaknesses. They're actually good reminders at time for us to live in this mindset, repenting of our sins and asking God to humbly uh, establish the work of our hands and to draw our children to Him. All of this is just a preface, a lens for us to look at the larger point. I, I've got a number of things to cover. If you have questions as we go, stick your hand up. I'm going to open up for some questions at the end as well. Uh, but there's a lot of things to try to tie in here. One of the things that that uh, Christian doctors say, they uh, frequently speak in terms that Christians don't die well. Um, I can tell you this... Um, Dr. Rob has talked about that with me. Um, I've known other Christian physicians. I knew knew a doctor who who dealt with, all he did was dealt with dying patients. That's all he did. He worked in that field uh, doing research and care. Um, And then when when my brother was undergoing uh, difficulties and I saw it again with a different physician in the hospital with my father, as I was sharing, you know, the doctor's asking all these questions, and and I'm saying, okay, well, let, let me tell you how what God's word says, how what our approach is, and 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 you know, the doctor's like, could you quit what you're doing and come here and be a chaplain at the hospital and just help people work through these things? And it's not because this is not about a pat on the back; it's just to say that that people really haven't worked these things out. Um, we, we believe in life, we want to preserve life, but we get in places where we're, we're, not, we're not always thinking uh, well in terms of the scriptures, and, and so we, we have a tendency to be all on or all off and not to say, how, how does God design death to be? Right? God has designed it to be a particular way, and it's important that, that we think about this what used to be heroic measures have become commonplace, right? Um, In in the committee's report, it starts out by saying, the distressing irony of the ongoing progress in scientific and related technology is that in many cases, welcomed advances in these areas also create profound moral dilemmas, right? Uh, 75 years ago, 90% 90% of the technology or more that we have today wasn't available, treatments weren't there, uh, weren't available to us. Uh, dialysis, heart repair, um, stents, all these other things, they, they, they're developed uh, and, and come later. You know, what, what should we be doing? How should we be caring? And I'm in no way, I wanna be very clear on this, we tend, again, we have these ditches. We're either doing everything that's possibly can be medically done, or we hate life and we're doing everything to crush it. And, and what we need to do is say, what is God doing here? What is my call? What is the call of the people around me who are serving and caring for me? Um, and, and recognize that uh, just because something Um, can be done doesn't mean that it is what is wise and best and and one of the things in this we know the scripture teaches us that gray hair is a sign of wisdom right and yet um, at at the as as we garner things later it's so funny how this this works Uh, you know the people with the most wisdom oftentimes aren't the ones making the decisions about what's happening to them at the end of life um, their their younger kids and what that what that what is this? This is a press for us to know God better. God is calling all of us to grow in wisdom and maturity. Um, so we, we want to not think about heroic measures. That that's really an old-fashioned term, because what used to be heroic measures are not heroic today. Um, some of the research points out that. Um, it's really in the late 60s where um, CPR compressions are start to become the norm of what you do regardless of the person. It would be something you do on a younger person, but on an older person, you wouldn't attempt to revive them in that way. Um, th- these are newer things. So obviously today we can have AEDs sitting on the wall of the church or in the school or at the bus station. But... Um, These are all things that can be done that that weren't available uh, in the past. The Westminster Larger Catechism asks this question in question number 135, what are the duties required in the Sixth Commandment? The answer (coughs) is the duties required in the Sixth Commandment are all careful studies. Okay, that's important and lawful endeavors to preserve life of ourselves and others by resisting all thoughts and purposes, subduing all passions, and avoiding all occasions, temptations, and practices which tend to the unjust taking away of the life of any. Boy, that's a loaded, that's a loaded line. It it goes on and says, by just defense thereof against violence, uh, patient bearing of the hand of God, quietness quietness of mind, cheerful of spirit, of sober use of meat, drink, psychic, uh, or excuse me, physic, sleep, labor, and recreations, by charitable thoughts, love, compassion, meekness, gentleness, kindness, peaceable, mild, and courteous speeches and behavior, forbearance, readiness to be reconciled, patient bearing, and forgiving of injuries, and requiting of good for evil, comforting and succoring the distressed, and protecting and defending the innocents. (coughs) Man, you have two things there. You've got, oh, we have to be thinking about this, we've got to work on this, and we should be doing all of this in a way to preserve our life and the life of others, (coughs) right? And, And just on this one question from the Westminster... A longer catechism, man. We we could be spending months. I mean, that's packed, isn't it? Um, at the same time, we have to view it as the unjust taking of a life, and and we have to measure in that as Ecclesiastes three two says, there is what a time to die, right? And so, what what does this look like? The principles to guide decision making. We're to look at, we are to work out the mind of Christ. Wow, that, that's out of the committee's report. Can you, Matt, think, think what we're saying here? Is there any quarter for laziness? <laughs> no, we're, we've got to work out the mind of Christ. And a lot of times, what are we trying to do? I mean, frankly, we think about working out what God's word says. What is the mind of Christ in my marriage, in child rearing? Right? But what is the mind of Christ when it comes to death? Right? A lot of times, because unless unless we're facing it imminently ourselves and our family, we don't really tarry with these things. Uh, but it's important um, that we should do so. The scriptures um, give us guidance. We are to work out these things by biblical principles as well as medical facts, right? And you know what, we can get in the class and we can have discussions and we can talk about things, but then do you know what we have to do? We then must apply them. That's hard, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever been involved in end of life decisions, okay? I I can tell you, you know, as, as the person responsible for signing off to turn the life support off on my own brother, um, that's a hard thing, right? And at the time, you know, like I said, I had all of this stuff worked out, long discussions, prayerful study. I, I knew the, the things to apply. And of course, here's part of it. Everything is not cut and dried. And that's the important thing you have to realize. Seek wise counsel, but th- then at the end of the day, you have to make a decision, right? And at that moment, you know, um, I'm glad I had some things worked out so that I could I could sign and, and feel like, okay, Lord, we've done what, what we can here, right? And here's, here's something important to recognize, and I've seen this in a variety of situations. It's important that you recognize that when you turn um, life support off. Most people don't die within a minute, right? It takes time. It can, it can be pretty hard to watch if you've not seen it before. Um, and, and, but, but understand um, that you know, this is the way that God designed the body to work. And so um, I, I encourage you, if you can, I mean, obviously, if you're here, uh, you know, ask your minister to be there. Ask your pastor to come pray with the family, to be available. I'm not saying that you have to invite me in and I have to stand right there for every moment, right? What I am saying is that don't turn away pastoral care, right? that helps you and helps your family keep orienting rightly in these times that are um, strenuous on us <clears throat> now it's, pre- it's very important that we consider this according to the scriptures physical life that is natural biological life that human beings have is a gift from God we see that um, in Acts 17 verse 25 as it is written he himself gives to all life and breath And all things. The physical death of human beings is an abnormality in our world and is the direct penal consequence of the fall. As a result of sin, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this judgment. We see that in Hebrews 9, 27. Excuse me. As God is the giver of life, so he reserves to himself the right to take it. Deuteronomy 32. The power of life and death is his prerogative. He alone specifies the conditions on which others are authorized to kill. Even after the fall, human life continues to have a high value, in so much as human beings are created in the image of God. And in the Noahic covenant, God makes structural provisions for its propagation, sustenance, and defense. Okay? Um, and. The committee re- recommends John Murray's principles of conduct uh, for uh, to, to look through that and consider that um, as well. Um, it, it's important that we recognize um, that there's a difference um, between uh, passive and active, these are terrible terms, euthanasia, right? Instead of youth in Asia, because that's, that's, a, that's a plan, a lot of times that term is tied to um, the, the socialist or Marxist utilitarian view, right? What can that um, person produce? What are they producing, right? Their output. And that's a measure of whether or not care should be given. Um, that's different. Than withdrawal of care, it's not the same. It is different to surrender and let a person die. And here's a very important thing. Think on this phrase: "Letting God claim them." Okay, it's it's God's uh, prerogative in these things. Yes.
1: I mean, isn't that what euthanasia is? Killing someone who is suffering versus just letting someone die? I mean, I'm asking. I don't know. I'm I'm looking it up right now to see what. I I always look at euthanasia as actually actively. This last year, they euthanized someone because she was below the poverty line. They can
0: euthanize them for.
1: than letting someone who is, you know, can't be, you know, life
0: can't be sustained naturally or whatnot? Yes, it is. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's, that's what that I'm trying saying. to say. It's absolutely different. Sorry. These are, no, no. It, even the heroic measures is a bad distinction, right? It, those are not helpful distinctions. First of all, that's a moving thing. What, what can we do? <coughs> uh, what, what does it do? But, but there are people who make decisions to put a feeding tube in someone, right? Um, and in that way, unnaturally sustaining life, okay? Um, And and at the same time, there are clear times where a feeding tube is right and good and should be administered if we have that ability. Um, But what we're talking about here is the moral distinction of, A, recognizing God's sovereignty, His providence, what's happening um, in the circumstances. I mean, I could have let my brother stay on a feeding line for, I don't know about an indefinite time, but for a long time, right? Maybe, 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 right? And and you say, and and by the way, I'm not trying to morally justify I can go to sleep at night. I miss him greatly, right? That's not what I'm driving at. What I'm trying to say is on on a real level, I'm I'm trying to be real in the sense of, of these can be challenging situations um, but but the but the question is to what end and and one of the things that becomes I think really uncomfortable if you if you read through this report and I encourage you to do so particularly in preparation uh, for uh, this spring and a longer series on this question is they're gonna bring up money right they're gonna bring up how um, you can be uh, run yourself destitute uh, in, in an effort to unnaturally preserve life. Now, there is enough, there's a second category of that to say um, what about the moral responsibility of those who are unjustly driving the cost of health care up? Right? That, that's an issue. But, it, the, but there's also considerations about what is just and good and wise. Um, as well. Uh, in, mo- in the most profound sense of the terms, the Bible is essentially a book about life and death. At creation, God entered into a covenant life with human beings made in his image by which they might have the fruition of him as their blessedness and reward. They, by their fall, having made themselves incapable of life, yeah, um, uncapable life covenant, The Lord was pleased to make a second, commonly called the covenant of grace, wherein he freely offereth into sinners life and salvation by Jesus Christ. That's also from Westminster Confession of Faith. To those who by grace respond in faith, he grants eternal life. To those who continue in disobedience and unbelief, the ultimate issue is second death, separation from God and hell forever. Um, So we, we just want to be mindful of... Of these things. And of course, in Philippians, uh, let's see, I set this page on top of the other, my apology. Uh, In in Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 26, and and for time constraints, we can't read it all, can't read it, but I want to reference it simply to say this, Paul has this distinction where he talks about um, to be with Christ is better but there's a call and a need that you have that God has given me life for, for you. You think about all the places and turns where Paul could have been killed, right? And what, what God is sustaining him. To what end? To serve others. That's our calling in life, to serve others. And then there's this place where we become so weak, so unable to care for ourselves, where part of our mission is to allow others to serve us, that's a much harder place to be in, right, I'm independent, I don't need help, and of course, in, in, in the church, in the scriptures, we teach that you're personally responsible, and if you're able to do it yourself, you should, that your family should be the first people to respond, but if, if unable, then the body of Christ steps in and assists, right, sometimes people carry the burdens alone, Church, don't do that be talking pace yourself when people offer to help let them this is important right you know it, it's sort of like this sickness comes into your household right and, and what's, what's the greatest fear of every mama when sickness enters the house I'm going to get sick and then what's going to happen right right if mama goes down house needs help dad's got to work maybe he gets sick too right ever had that happen where both parents are really really sick and the kids are sick and of course it seems like sometimes the kids recover faster than we do Yes. right um you know it's time to pull the fire alarm this isn't pride right this, this this is this is letting what the body of Christ is supposed to do and then there's a place also for deacons in this Now, we had a family in an older couple in Monroe where this older couple for at least the last 7 years I was there were um, every month we got a report from a deacon who who was you know had the time was serving this would go over their finances and okay they're going to need this money for these doctor's appointments and this for this over here, right? Um, they were just in a very bad financial state. None of their children uh, were, were able to help um, and in some ways in bad situations themselves. Mostly I would say those adult children were in bad situations because of their, their lack of following Christ, but not exclusively. But nonetheless, the church, it just became part of what the church did. And not only did we help financially, we helped tote them to appointments um, and assist them in that way. But it was also a great thing. I can tell you that, um, you know, my wife and children and sometimes myself, we'd go over to their house and, you know, help them change light bulbs and sweep up the corners and, you know, bake cookies and sing hymns with them. And, and, and this is the life of the church. In these things, I know it doesn't seem like we're, we're tied here, but remember, Paul points out that life is sustained for us to serve others and truly for others to serve us. Um, I want to make um, one other thing, I, I, and this is for us to think about as Christians. The key text for understanding the death of believers. As a manifestation of, of love and rather than wrath of God is Revelation 14, 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, "Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. They will rest from their labor and their deeds will follow them. Through the work of Christ, the covenant curse has been turned into a blessing. So as Christians, we can have and approach a different view of death. It is really God's grace Uh, coming to fruition. Granted, there's a time to resist death for the glory of God and a time to cease resistance also for the glory of God. What principles does the Bible give to guide our decision-making in this critical area? To begin with, the most obvious, life is to be lived out in full extent in the service of others for as long as God gives the opportunity. And I, I just want us today as, as we think about these things to, to just recognize that things like uh, when, when the Lord takes away um, a person's appetite, right? That is part of God's natural design. Now, th- there's also a, a, a difference between a feeding tube and a person who can eat needs to just be fed because they can't get the food to their mouth, right? That's different. Now, that that, that can be hard, but, but also understand that providence is such that there's a call for you, there may be a call for others, right? to To come and care for you or for loved ones in that way. And not everyone has the financial means. Some people have means for better care, where someone can come in and, and actually care about them. It gets really tough when we get into nursing home situations. Some are good, some are bad. I usually find it has to do with who's on shift at the time. Right? Uh, the other thing I'd say is be gracious. If you have family members in, in care like this, understand that a nursing home for the aged is a place where people die, right? And it is exhausting. The work is exhausting, but so is the emotional toll that it takes. And if you don't have Christ, how do you view it? And if, if, even if you have Christ and you're there serving and you see people that don't know Christ, there's a toll. So I just want to encourage you, as troubling as some of these situations can be, be full of grace and patience. Be praying for the staff. You know, some of you this week are going to go sing at the nursing home, right? I hope some of you with your kids. Um, Joy put that out on the realm. If you can, I encourage you to make it. Right? Are we praying for Joy? She's got a tough job. And it's a ministry. And believe it or not, you know, if you haven't gotten to know Joy how very well, she loves those people, man. She loves those people. For her, it's a mission, and she sees it that way. Even though she's got mounds of paperwork she has to fill out to help people have a good time. Um, So... I just, I, I want us to to be thinking along these lines. If, if you, and I want to say this, if you're having particular struggles or things you want to talk out, don't hesitate to call I me. Mean, let's go spend, get some coffee, meet with your family, talk about it. If crisis happens, um, don't go it alone. Um, you know, obviously all we did today was create a little bit of framework, right? Think of the sovereignty of God. You know, what is our call? How should... We, we think of life and what does it mean uh, for others. When we get into the the, the nitty gritty we're still not going to be able to cover every scenario every situation um, but it's important to know that the body of Christ should be standing together and uh, we have joy. And I just want to say one other thing. Um, we don't want to get into a place where we sustain life just because we're still trying to convert somebody because we don't know if what God is doing, um, the actual having to face the hardship of, of things, because we don't know what's going on in their mind as their last breaths happen, whether or not we think. You let, you let God worry about those sovereign issues. Um, love, care, and pray. And, and you know, I, I tell you what, putting people in your homes, family member in your homes uh, whenever you can is, is a good thing. I've seen the Lord convert people um, in, in just a few months at the end of their life. I saw that with my grandmother who went from hating God to coming to our family worship and being glad and f- full of gratitude. Only Christ can do that. Only Christ can do that. Any questions or comments? Yes, ma'am.
1: Yes, ma'am. We have a guide, if anybody would be interested, we can put it out on the phone, um, that I actually got from one of my clients. It's called The Elephant in the Room, and it breaks down every single particle because the largest problem that people face outside of Christendom is they never tell their significant others or their family members what they want at those last moments. And so their family members are forever wondering if they did the right.
0: That's good. I, I'd, I'd love for you to share that up. It, it, at the very least, um, you know, it gives us a lot of tools and things to to evaluate. It, it may not address everything exactly biblically, but it's given us good questions to ask. Communication is important. I want to make one last plug here, and that's to say, I've seen some older people not like the way they look, and so after they die, they don't want there to be uh, anything with an open casket and all of this sort of thing, um, or whatever their arguments are. As, as, a, as a man who's stood with a lot of people over the years in these situations, four people, four children. So again, take your children to funerals, right? Take them to weddings, take them to funerals. That's the life and death of church, right? Have them at baptisms, obviously, all these things. Um, it's, it's important for closure. It's important for closure. Um, you know, the people that love you don't care that, that, that you don't look exactly like you did, right? They care, they wanna be able to say their goodbyes. Um, you know, we, we live in such a sanitized world. Um, we don't really face death on a regular basis um, like our predecessors, our ancestors did. Any other questions or comments? that'd be great love to have you share that with us
1: where does the um the like frantic extending of life how does that stack up with um so David when his young son was dying he was like frantically praying to God like he, like whoops. sorry like um to to heal the child like where where does that stack up in
0: well, so, so what did he do? He fasted and he prayed and he lamented before God that perhaps God would be merciful and, and keep the life of the child. Uh, but then what did he do when the child died? He went and washed his face. He cleaned himself up from a place of mourning and said, okay, Lord, I'm going to submit myself uh, to your um, sovereign uh, work here, right? Um, and, and, of course, in that, um, he was he was explicitly responsible for that judgment, right? We we know that, uh, but uh, the you know what what we want to do is understand that we pray, we ask God, and it's important that in our prayers, Lord, we're asking for this petition, right? But Your will be done, and I'm going to trust Your will. I'm going to trust Your sovereign hand when it's done, right? We don't understand what God is doing across um, all of these millions of lives, what he is doing for our good and for his glory. Um, So um, we we pray hard, we ask him, but we do it in such a way that says, I'm going to submit myself joyfully, as hard as it may be, to your sovereign will which means I'm going to pick myself up and then go about God's call for my daily business um, every day. Does that answer your question? Or? I think so. And, and, you know, one of the things I want to say about this, because we've, if you've ever suffered loss and death, right, it can seem a little bit like Pat answers. You know, if you ask a question, I answer it in two minutes, perhaps. I don't want you to ever feel that way. again, talk it out. Talk to your elders. Talk to uh, older folks in your life. Talk to your pastor. Um, don't, don't be sitting around burdened, right? Have others pray with you and, and be encouraged in that way. Questions or comments? You feel like we just kind of, you know, wet the appetite a little bit on this? Um, I just recognized it was going to be too much, and, and uh, so... We, we, will, uh, we will study this topic with uh, more vigor uh, in the spring. All right, let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for your great mercies. I pray, Father, that you would help each one of us through times of sorrow and suffering. Grant us wisdom uh, to understand your word and to apply it in our lives. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us, uh, Father, to... Uh, Submit ourselves to your providences with joy and gratitude. We thank you for your care for us. Lord, we thank you for the sustaining of the life of our elders in our church. We thank you for the health and life you've given us. And we thank you for salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the body. We ask, Lord, that you prepare our hearts for worship and the renewal of your covenant promises to us. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen.